Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. Uh, today, we are. you see our movie title that we have there, The Terminator. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we go any further, I want to say, Dads, Happy Father's Day. Amen. Let's give our dads a hand. That's right. And ladies, happy Father's Day for every one of you that I told that to. Yes. It seems like I did that. You know, some of you ladies come and say, happy Father's Day. Oh, happy Father's Day. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong one. Uh, anyways, it's good to see everybody here. And hey, uh, many of you have seen that Pastor Kevin uh, actually had a car wreck on Friday and was in the hospital. And uh, the good news is, is that he's out of the hospital. He had a concussion, so he's at home recovering from that, and he should make a full recovery. So anyway, I just want to say thank you for your prayers and keep them in prayer. Today, as we said, uh, we're getting started with the movie that you just saw, The Terminator. And uh, we picked this movie for Father's Day because men, uh, sometimes we feel like we need a Terminator fighting with us, right? As, uh, as in this movie, the, uh, the plot is that this young lady, the character named Sarah, is actually the, out to go right the world, basically. And in order to help her do this, she's given the Terminator to go help her. But we had a promise from a long time ago that the Terminator, that Arnold Schwarzenegger said, I'll be back. And at 67 years old, he's back. <laughs> he's back again. I don't know, you know, he and uh, 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 Sylvester Stallone, you know, I don't know. We're going to see which one can continue on doing that. But, uh, but so the movie's about that. And today, as we start our journey in this topic today, I want to talk to you about this, how to face big problems. That's what I want to talk to you about. Has anybody in this room ever had any big problems? Let me see your hand. Okay, great. That's the majority of us. So we're all going to tune in today because some of you sitting in this room right now, you're going through a big problem. And so I want to prepare you for that and tell you how to deal with that spiritually and what God says about that. And so to help you, I want you to know that, that we don't have a Terminator, people that, uh, we don't have a Terminator to come and help us. We wish that we did, could see it, but we have God's Spirit. And I just want you to know, the Bible says this, Romans 8 and 31, this is our memory verse for the week, and I want to help you memorize it, and it simply says this, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now what I'd like you to do today is I want you to internalize this voice, uh, verse and make it personal. So what I'd like you to do is, is on the top of your outline where you see that passage, I want you to write the word me over us. Would you do that? So it's going to say, if God be for me, who can be against me? Got that down? Everybody got that? Because we want to practice it and we're going to do this about three or four times through the message. So you want to remember it. So let's try it together. You ready? Let's say it together the new way. If God be for me, who can be against me, right? And that is exactly the promise of God. And this morning, I want to jump right into the Bible because God, every story in the Bible has a purpose. 
has a purpose for human history. And the story we're going to talk about today is a guy by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a guy that is written about in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, there's a whole book of the Bible called Nehemiah. And his story goes like this, is that basically the Jewish people had been in captivity, taken captive. Jerusalem had been uh, taken over. And he was uh, shipped off with his family uh, to another part of the world. Matter of fact, he ended up in Persia. And uh, somehow Nehemiah, over the generations, must have been a very good person because he was actually was taken into the king's palace. And his job was this. Man, you're talking about a gravy job, literally. Uh, he was a cupbearer. What that means is that before the king ever eat any food at all, this guy, the cupbearer, would come in and he would taste the king's food. He would, before the king drank from the cup, that's how he got the cupbearer, any wine from his cup, is that this guy would come in and actually taste his wine before the king ever did it. And the reason for that was, remember, now you know why I said he had a gravy job, right? Okay, never mind. It's going to be that kind of day, I can tell. <laughs> so, here we, so anyways, the reason that uh, what he would do is that if Nehemiah, the cupbearer, after he eat the food and he drank the wine, if he lived for another couple hours then, the king said, well, I guess it's safe for me to, to eat it because was, the king had a lot of enemies. He didn't trust anybody. So he thought the cooks may be poisoning his food or somebody might be poisoning his drink. So Nehemiah was a guinea pig every time. But he also had to have a lot of trust. And so here Nehemiah is, this guy who uh, is the king's, in the king's palace, but he begins to hear about his homeland in Jerusalem, how that the city walls had been torn down again because the city had been rebuilt, how they had been torn down again, and how that his people who lived in that area were always being robbed because they had no protection. And it was the, the, the people were uh, depleted as far as their attitude and their spirit. It was just run down. And so Nehemiah had decides he's got a big problem, and he's got to do something about it. So I want to tell you the first thing I want to share with you on how to face a big problem. Would you write this down? The first thing is this. Partner with God through prayer and repentance. Nehemiah, the first thing he did was he began to be sorrowful about what happened. We're going to jump right into the Scripture. Now listen, to, here, here he is, he's just heard the news, and it's tearing him up, and look what happened. And Nehemiah 1-4, through 4, it says this, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keeps His commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servant, the people of Israel. Now notice this, last, this line that's underlined here. Notice this. I confess the sins we Israelites, including who? Uh-oh, did you hear that? Now, that's the problem. That's where we, we're like, the, we're with Nehemiah, right? God, yeah, you know, my dad's got these problems. My mom's got these problems. You know, my friend's got these problems. Lord, the, the, these people got these problems. But we don't want to talk about our problems, right? But he begins to confess his sins. He said, I confess my sins. Myself and my father's family have committed against you. Then he goes on to say, we have acted very wickedly toward you, 
We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, laws you gave your servant Moses. In other words, God, I'm sorry, and I want to change. That's what he was praying. So the first thing that I would share with you today is that when you are preparing to face a big problem, is that you begin to ask yourself, begin to pray, and also repent. What's going on with me? And here's the problem in our culture. In our culture today, we don't mind this confession stuff. Matter of fact, we, we sort of get a thrill out of confessing everything, don't we? That's why I've, I've never seen a time to where people will say anything. I mean, if you just go on Facebook for a little while, you will watch there's somebody that will say something on Facebook that they should not say publicly. Would you agree with that? Have you experienced that? I'm like, when you read that, like, huh, you know, uh, I, I started to say something I read the other day, but I won't. Okay. It was none of you, by the way. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, what did I say to Esau? But what I'm saying is that, so we're, we're big in our country. That's like the Springer show, you know, years ago, how crazy that become. It becomes so popular, and then all these other little shows popped up that do the same thing. Why? Because there's something about, in our culture, we say, say it, say it publicly, confess it, let it be known, let the world know. Well, that's great about confessing, but here's what I want you to know. It's one thing to confess it, and it's another thing to leave it. Did you get that? It's one thing, whatever the it is in your life and in my life, and Nehemiah said, hey, we have not done your ways, God. We've got to turn. So here, what, what do I need to confess? Confessing it and leaving it are totally two different things. And God says in order to get my blessing, not only do you have to confess it, but you also have to leave it. You see what I'm saying? In our culture, people want us to live in open sin. They say, we'll do whatever we want to do, whatever we want to do, the way we want to do it, and God will forgive me, I will ask him. And I'm going to tell you something. If it's in your spirit and in your heart that you're not going to leave it, your prayer is no good. If you know, if you know the whole time you're not leaving the affair, you're not leaving the, the drugs, you're not going to leave, you know, the things that you're doing wrong, you're not going to leave it. If you say in your heart, I'm not going to do it, then your prayer is no good. When you confess it, you're saying, God, I'm sorry, it breaks my heart that I'm breaking your heart, and I want to do everything in my hands. I want to leave it. So, God, I'm asking your power to get, or you to give me power and strength that I can leave it and go another direction. So here's what confession is. Confession is saying, I'm sorry, but repentance is saying, okay, I'm going a new direction now. That's what it is. So it's a new direction. That's why I get excited about repentance, because it's not negative. It's, it's good because you're leaving the old, you're turning to the good. And so I just want to challenge you today to do that. So the Bible says this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. Look what it says. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and what, would you read what's underlined with me? You ready? And turn from their wicked. You have to turn from it. I can't say that enough. Is that God can't help you until you turn from it. He'll help you once you make that decision. But you have to turn from it. And I want to challenge you today. You know, God's speaking to some, so many people right now. But I want you to turn from it. And God will help you if you do that. He goes on to say, this is what I'll do. He said, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. Wouldn't you agree with me that we need healing in our land? 
You know, when is God going to heal America? I'll tell you when God's going to heal America. It's when we turn from our sin. Because as long as we pray and say, we believe in God, we believe in God, but we keep on living a life of sin, intentional sin. That's the difference when, you know, like, if you just mess up and you sin, that's another, that's one story. But if you continue to live in that, and continue to do that by choice, that's another one. And a lot of our culture does that. When you do that, you have people walk into churches with guns and kill innocent people, just like we saw in Charleston, South Carolina, this week. What a tragedy! People are asking, what's wrong? Why would people do that? I'll tell you, when you have no morals and you have no values and there's no God and there's no belief in God, no absolutes, then, then guess what? You're God. And so we have to turn our lives over to God. And today, I want to challenge you to do that. If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, I want to challenge you to make that decision today that you're going to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I put a prayer inside of your program. I put it in there every week. It's right, right under number five point. You can read that prayer when you choose to. Make it personal. And if you say this prayer and you mean it in your heart, you want God to save you. You want to be a Christ follower. He will do that. The only thing I ask you to do is this. I ask you to check it on your connection card. And I ask you to mark it so that we can send you some information that will help you in your journey. Okay, that takes us to number two. The second thing I would say, if you've got a big problem, here it is, is to ask expectantly for God. Ask God expectantly for what you need. Ask God expectantly for what you need. Nehemiah, get the picture here with Nehemiah again. Nehemiah, here he is. He's, asked, he's, he's brokenhearted about his people. Again, he's, he's uh, helping the king, and, and the king sees him come in every day, takes his food and all that stuff. But Nehemiah walks in now with this uh, sad look on his face. And he's like, what's wrong? the king's like, what's wrong with you? And Nehemiah's about to give him that answer. But Nehemiah knows if he says the wrong thing to the king, guess what? He didn't get a second chance. It's, the king would kill him. He realizes that if he says the wrong thing and asks the wrong question, the king will kill him. So let's pick up the story. Here's what it says. Nehemiah goes before the king. He says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king... May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lie in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Would you read this next line with me, this underline? Come on, let's read it out loud. You ready? Here we go. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Notice that. Before you talk to everybody else, maybe we should take a line from Nehemiah here. Maybe before I speak to someone, I should speak to God. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. When you have a big problem, you ask God expectantly. So before you talk to everybody else, talk to God. Say, God, what would you have me to say? Even if you only have seconds to respond. You begin, you know, you have that conversation in your mind with God. I mean, just like that. Before you got an answer, you say in your mind out loud, God, give me the wisdom I need right now. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. He said, God, I need you to help me because I got to ask the right questions to the king. It goes on and says this, look, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. So he said, listen, there's a problem here, king, and that my ancestors, my people, the Jewish people are being overrun. 
because their city walls are broken down, their gates are broken down, and I want to do something about it. And there's too many people in our culture, would you agree with this? There's too many people in our culture saying, somebody else can do that. Somebody else can do that. I'm telling you, listen, if we're going to get better, if our children are going to have a better future than we had, then we have to step up and say, no, it's not for somebody else to do. It's for me. It's me, oh God, send me. And that's exactly what Nehemiah said. I will do something. If nobody else will, I'll do something about it. You know why he did that? Because Nehemiah learned to pray with expectation. Expectancy. Watch this. When you pray and you don't expect, guess what that brings? Worry. When you pray and you don't expect God to answer your your prayer, it's just worry. You know what you do? When you pray and you really don't expect God to answer your prayer, you think the answer is going to be no. You know what you'll do? You'll start planning out how you're going to, how you're going to handle the no that God's going to give you. And when you start handling the no, you start trying to do it your way and it creates all kinds of worry. But when you pray with expectancy, it creates faith. You know what faith is? Faith is saying, I'm expecting God to answer my prayer. I'm expecting a yes from God. And because of that, I'm going to make a plan that when God says yes, I'm going to do this. Isn't that a big difference? How many of you sitting here today? How many of you sitting here today? Don't raise your hand. Don't speak out. But right now, you've prayed, but you've been expecting a no. And you're like, well, no, I know God. You know, I know I'm not the pastor, so I know God's not going to hear me. Are you crazy? If you go to God like that, guess what you can expect? Zero. But Nehemiah went to, he went expecting, he said, I'm going to expect that God's going to say yes. So he began to prepare himself for yes. Look what happened in the next passage. Nehemiah 2 and 8, it says this. I will need timber to rebuild the gates of the, uh, the, gates of the fortress near the temple and more timber to construct the city wall and to build a place for me to live. And so I would appreciate it, a letter to Asaph, who is in charge of the royal forest. And notice this next part. God was what? God was good to me. And look at the last part. And did everything what? He expected a yes. Notice that when the king says, okay, what can I do for you? He wasn't expe- if he was expecting a no, he would have said, okay. The, he was expecting the king to say, okay, where do you want to be buried? Because I'm about to kill you. But Nehemiah went in there before the king, and he was expecting, because he had prayed, he'd asked God, he was expecting a yes, and because of that, when the king said, what can I do for you? You know what Nehemiah did? He reached into his pocket, pulled out a piece of paper, and said, you know what? I've got a list of stuff right here that you can do for me. I need timber for this. I need this. By the way, I need a letter to the gods over the forest. I need this, this, and this. You know why he had the list? Because he was expecting a yes. I want to ask you something. Here we go. Are you ready for this? Right now, what are you praying about? And do you have your list made out for your yes? Are you here? Are, did you hear that? What are you praying about? Do you have your list already made out for your yes? You know, like our church here as a whole, we've been praying for years. God, God said he's going to give us a city. He's going to give us our community. And you know what? Our church is growing. We're so excited about that. But now it's time for us to make, we said, God, we want more people to know you. We want more people to have an opportunity for a better life. We want more people to connect, to grow, serve, and share you with you, your message, oh God. We want more. We're going to handle more. So now, as a church, we're beginning to make the plans to raise the funds and build our building, uh, expand our building. We're going to do that in a few days. Why? Because we're making our plans for the yes. 
And that's when you show business. Make your plans for the yes. You want your marriage to be better? When God answers the yes, where are you going on the next little honeymoon getaway? See, some of you are thinking about divorce, and you should be thinking about when my next little getaway going to be. Oh, boy, I better shut up right there. Okay, all right, I will. Here we go. So here's the next step. I want you to begin to pray expectantly. Would you check that on your connection card? Say, Pastor Jeff, I'll begin to pray expectantly. Now, remember the key statement, the key verse that we just transposed to make it self, uh, to make it more about us, and that is this, if God be for who, then who can be against me? Remember that. If God be for me, who can be against me? Number three is this. You write this down. Admit what is, admit what is, but talk about what could be. When you're facing a big problem, you cannot live in denial. We have a problem. Nehemiah goes right in now. So Nehemiah has made his journey back to Jerusalem, and he's taken a trip around the wall, the city that night. He's seen the devastation, and now he's meeting before the people, and look what happens here. Look what he says. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruin, and the gates have been burned with fire. Notice that. In other words, we're in a mess. We have a big problem. Let's don't deny it. There's a problem here. We're not sticking our heads in the sand. Then he goes on to say, But come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer live in what? Or be in what? Disgrace. We will no longer be in disgrace. Listen, what I want to tell you is that with God's help, you don't have to always be where you are. Is that, you know, the disgrace that you're living with, this big problem that you can't get over or can't get around. I want you to know you don't have to live that way the rest of your life, that with God's help and God's plan, you can overcome whatever's going on in your life. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, with God's plan and God's help, you do not have to live in constant disgrace. God can help you out. He goes on to say this. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And notice how they replied. Would you read this with me? Come on, let's read what's under on. You ready? They replied, let us start rebuilding. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Here's what I want to tell you today. Listen. Whatever's going on in your life right now, you're never going to get better until you begin to see it better, and you begin to talk better, then you will begin to live better. What I'm saying is this, that most of you right now, your problem that you have right now, you only see here. You can only see this part. But you have to begin to imagine, what would my marriage be like better? What would school be like better? What would my job be like when it's better? And you begin to envision what it would be like better. Here's the problem. People, when the people come and talk with me, this is one thing I hear them say, you know what? I wish, I wish my marriage was better. I wish my job was better. I wish my finances was better. I say, okay, what does better look like? I don't know, but I just wish it was better. If you don't know what better looks like, how in the world are you going to recognize it when it comes? Hello? 
I mean, most people can say, I'm just, I just want it better. I just wish you was better. I wish he was better. And you can't even determine what better is. I tell you, the first thing you do if you're going to get better is you determine yourself what is better. Define better. If you can't define better, then you can't get better. And once you define better, then you begin to see better. And then you begin to talk about better. And then guess what? You get better. That's the only way it happens. Because right now, our culture does what? All we talk about is the negative all the time. Listen, if you just watch the news all the time, listen to talk radio radio all the time, then guess what? All you hear is bad news. And you just see bad, you talk about bad, and guess what? You live bad. Is anybody hear what I'm talking about today? Amen. To live better, you've got to have a vision. The Bible says this in, in Proverbs 29, 11. He says this. God says this. Where there is no vision, the people what? You know why? Because they can't see better. A better day. They can't see a better day. Listen, the, the, our culture thinks that our children will have a, a worse future than we have. You know why? Because people are beginning to see bad. That's all they see. They see bad. They talk about bad. And guess what? You're going to pass bad on. But I'm telling you, I'm holding a book in my hand that has always went into a bad day and saw a better day. And then the people of God talked about a better day and it became a better day. Amen? And that's what the people of God are all about. You know, when, when our forefathers boarded those ships coming to this new land, it was bad. But do you think they talked about bad? No, sir. Those pilgrims on the first day said, it's going to be better. It may be bad now, but it's going to be better. And they saw a better day. They talked about a better day. And they lived a better day. Wow. We must shift our eyes, our children's eyes, off the happenings of today onto the promises of tomorrow. Give them something to live for. Share that it can be better, and it will be better, because God's calling them to make it better. It's only when we see it and we talk about it that we begin to live it. You see, speak to your children's potential and not performance. Dads, let me talk to you just a second. Is that maybe your kid's not doing that good right now. Don't close the book on their life right now. Speak to their potential. Listen, one day you're going to be better. One day you're going to run that company. One day you're going to be that athlete. One day you're going to be this. One day, one day, one day. One day, you know what? You're going to be a, a great husband or you're going to be a great wife. And you're going to be, you know, you're going to, do, you're going to be so successful. You're going to have love all around you. One day you're going to be that way. It's real easy to look at a kid and say, you know what? You ain't passed your last couple of classes. You think you're going to get out of high school? No, you're not. You think you're going to get out of college? No, you're not. You better get with it. You know, right? You stink. And every one of us in this room have been guilty of saying things like that. So you want to speak to their, to their, not to their performance, but to their future is what we want to speak to, their potential. That takes us to number four. Number four, I would say this. Fight for the soul's of your family. Remember the Terminator movie we're talking about, how that they were fighting for civilization. And we're fighting right now for the soul of our family. Because as the family goes, so goes the nation. You understand that, right? When the family breaks down, so does the nation break down. So fight for the soul of your nation. Look what he says. Remember, Nehemiah has got the people, the walls are broken down, and here he, here's what he's about to tell him. Let me set it up for you. The enemy, they build, they're building the wall back now in record pace. 
The walls are getting constructed, but the people around them don't like it, so the enemy's trying to attack them, and look what he does. He says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families. After looking, or after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Fight for it. Listen, moms and dads, fight for your faith. Fight for your faith. You say, how do I do that, Pastor Jeff? Well, let me just tell you this, the three-step plan. First of all, when you read God's Word, it instills faith within you. When you pray, you're expressing faith. But when you when your example and your conversation pass on your faith. Did you hear that? When you read the Bible, you instill faith. When you pray, you express faith. But you pass your faith on by example and by conversation. Make sure we're talking about our faith to our children and to our friends and our co-workers. You say, Pastor Jeff, I know, but I, I'm scared to. It's okay. God will be with you. We'll open up the right opportunities to share your faith. People can know better and do better and be better. You see, your children may be influenced right now by the people that's around them temporarily. But they'll be influenced a lifetime by what you say. Anybody right now, anybody right now like you, like you can't help it, you still hear your mom or dad saying something. Anybody besides me, you know what I'm talking about? It's just there, right? Okay, thank you for the five of us that did that. All right. You know, you can't get it out of your head, right? You can still hear your parents saying this one thing. Why? Because it, it, it affects your whole life. It affects your life. So I would like you to take this next step that says, I will do my best to talk to my family and friends about my faith. That takes me to number five. If you've got a big problem, this is how you face it. Is you never give up on God. Never. Nehemiah's rebuilt the walls now. God has done a miracle. In 52 days, they rebuilt the walls. And then he's doing the last thing. He's hanging the last gates of the city. And he's up on a ladder. And he's working on this wall. And his enemies tries to distract him. They try to say, listen, you don't have to keep doing that. Come on down and have dinner with us. And it was all a plot to, to get him away from there so they could kill him. But he didn't fall for it. This was, his, this was his one statement that I hope that we can live with the rest of our lives. And it says this. Nehemiah said, So I sent a message to them saying, Would you read what's underlined with me out loud? Come on, you ready? I am doing a great work so I, that I cannot come down. One more time. Let's read that again. You ready? So I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. He said, I'm doing this work. And I can't quit. I'm doing this as a dad. I'm doing this work. Dad, listen to me. I know there's times you get tired. I know there's times that maybe in your marriage it gets tough and, and being a father gets tough and all your friends are copping out, running out. They're going, they're going their own ways. They're living their own lives. They're, they're like, you know what? I, I don't have time for all that. I just got to leave. No, no, you don't. You don't leave. You don't run out. You're still a dad. And you're doing a great work, and you cannot come down. Moms, I'm telling you, your children need you. 
You Listen, I know your peers are saying, it's all about me. You know, and I don't have time to do that traditional mom thing. I've got my own life to live. No, 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 no. You're doing a great work as a mom, and you cannot come down. Your kids are depending on you to hang in there and be a person of character and integrity. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. When you walk on that job... Listen, when you walk on that job, I don't care if everybody there is a hellion. And you know, you say, Pastor Jeff, it's so hard to live for Christ. That's all right. You show up every day. You don't have to say a word. You let your light shine. You be an example of God's character because you're doing a great work and you cannot come down. Amen. You cannot come down. You cannot come down. I read this story this week in 1968. In the Olympics in Mexico City, there was a runner there by the name of John Stevens, who was from Tanzania. That was his English name. He was running this marathon, and something happened. He had an injury. He hurt his leg so bad he could hardly walk. And he would not stop. He kept running, he kept running. He finally entered the stadium to where the finish line was an hour and a half after the the winner had won the race. Everybody else had finished the race. Everybody else had gone. And here he enters the stadium. Now, you see the picture. He enters the stadium, and and a a lot of the the media is gone. Hardly anybody's there. And here he comes stumbling in, and he's weeping. He's bleeding because he's fallen so many times because his leg's given out. He's in reeking pain. And a reporter comes up to him and says, John, why didn't you just quit? He looked, at, in the, he looked at that person in the eye and he said, Listen, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. I want to look at you today and I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to finish the race? God has is, is got you in the middle of this. You say, this problem's too big. It hurts. These kids are driving me crazy. This job is driving me crazy. My wife's driving me crazy. My husband's driving me crazy. And you can think of a million reasons to quit, but I want to tell you what. God did not start with you so you could quit. Today, we need people to finish the race. You're doing a great work, and you cannot come down. Finish the race. Finish the race. Finish the race. Finish the race. Don't you stop in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me now? Today I prayed for you. I've been praying for you all week because I know the stress that many of you are under. Some of you today, before, if God, right now, if the truth be known, many of you right now are thinking about quitting quitting but God has called you here today for me to remind you and his Holy Spirit to remind you he did not call you to just to start he called you to finish I don't know about you but one thing I want to do I want to finish well anybody else I just want to finish well I want to finish well and I want you to finish well I want to ask our prayer partners go ahead and make their way forward and I want to pray for you today. And today, if you would like one of these guys to pray with you about anything, please make your way forward. Let them pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you so much today for your word. God, today that we can trust your word. And I ask you, Father, that you will speak to us. And whatever a person in this room walked in today with that heaviness, that they were determined that they were going to leave here. They were going to quit on life. They were going to quit on marriage. They were going to quit on school. They were going to quit on a job. God, I pray today that they leave encouraged in knowing that you have called them to finish. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.